Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with New Radio Media, and we will spend the next hour talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. And I have to introduce you to our new guest, um, Alex, my friend Alex. How are you this week? Near perfect. Near perfect. It's gorgeous weather out, considering that uh, it's been freezing cold all these last few weeks. And I could have been on a golf course. And you could have been on a golf course with your son, who's not here because he is on the golf course. He may be listening. He may be listening on the golf course. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. I guess you could. Uh, before we go on, just to remind everyone, if you'd like to talk to me or to my special guest, Alex, who has all kinds of things to talk about, you can contact the show at 844 844- Nine 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 two four nine. That's eight four four nine 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 two four nine. We're going to spend a lot of time today about slander, about leprosy. That was really the focus of last week's Torah portion. Interesting enough, I didn't know this till uh, last weekend. Um, Five hundred rabbis signed a piece of paper that they would discuss in synagogue rules, laws pertaining to slander. So we're going we're gonna to get into slander, what's wrong with it, what's the big deal, why does the punishment seem so harsh, what is this leprosy, lots and lots of things to talk about. But before we get there, we need everyone to know who my friend Alex is. So Alex, you are not bred and born in America like my grandparents, good old Yankee Doodle Dandies, but you're from another part of the world. Where are you from? Well, first of all, Rabbi, thank you for inviting me to this uh, show. It's really my honor to be here. My pleasure. And uh, the second thing is, I'm really happy that you called me the friend. Yeah. It's really nice. Uh, obviously, by, the, by my accent, uh, I am not uh, uh, American by birth. Uh, but uh, let me give you a couple of uh, bio points of my life. Uh, so I was born in Ukraine in a little shtetl, Zhitomir. And uh, uh, my family, my father, my mother, and I, we lived in a very uh, uh, small house with a straw roof, dirt floor, and uh, the confinements of uh, one little kitchen that would be uh, probably a half of the studio room, which is probably about, say, about 150 square feet, and we all slept in one room. Uh, I recall from the early childhood, uh, as my father was a blacksmith in uh, uh, working for the collective farm, and periodically he repaired the house because house, house was settling into the ground, and we had to prop it up by some stones. Not like the house you live in today. No. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I, I don't here. So I remember being seven year old, and uh, uh, my father had given was given a little piece of land, and uh, <laughs> he was walking with a horse and a plow, and I'm behind him picking potatoes, <laughs> and my mother is helping three of us, and we we're working on getting those potatoes from the ground so we could have some food for the winter, and he wasn't very happy because I was not moving fast enough behind him in the plow. Uh, shortly after, in January of that year, he died. And I remember my mother crying over the casket, said, why did you leave us? We have already potatoes, onions, 
and cucumbers for the winter to survive. So that's kind of was a humble beginning, so to speak, and then he left us. So you were, you, it was just you and your mother? You had another brother? I had a brother and sister from my, uh, from my mother's first husband, who was killed in the war, World War II. And they were, my brother and, and sister were older. My brother's 18 years and sister 15 years older. Hey, so wait one second. So you're plowing the farm with a horse and a plow after World War II. Correct. So this is like in the 50s when in America everybody's getting an automobile and everybody has tractors and you're living in Ukraine, which was, uh, I guess, less than a third world country because you're still on a horse and a plow digging into the ground. Okay, I got so far, we're, we're so getting far, the picture. So, good, so yeah. far, so good. Yeah, America was just beginning. Uh, America was just in the boom years, baby boom. Right. And uh, the economy was booming post-World War II. America shrunk from about 70% government economy to about 16% GDP government. So America was working hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, uh, the childhood was uh, rather challenging. And uh, when I graduated from school, uh, my brother dropped me off uh, with a sack of potatoes and said, now you're on your own. When I graduated from high school and went to college. And that was, I lost my father, my brother. Right. Now, and now I'm my own. And so, so the sack of potatoes was not just, to plant a new farm. That was no, just a goodbye, like, you know, I always joke with my class. Um, there's a word, Israelis use it. It's called tzeda lederech, which literally means provisions for the way. Whenever I would visit my in-laws, so they always had this thing. You can't leave the house without, like, some food. So some people give cake or cookies. We always got a potato kugel. That's what we got. We always had a potato kugel. It was an hour drive home. It wasn't far. But we always had a potato kugel. So I joke with my class when we come across those words in the Torah, tzeda, or tzeda lederich, which means provisions for the way, my class translates them as potato kugel. It just uh, gives a feeling. I had to you, cook. You have potatoes, not the potato kugel. Okay, no, I got it. No, I had to cook my own potatoes, and I had a blanket and pillow and said goodbye to my mother, and I'm on my own. <laughs> so that was kind of a, a beginning, and uh, uh, obviously I went to college, and, uh, um, and I went to the military after the college, and I came back, and I moved to Moscow to another college. And uh, uh, I've always, when I was a child, I remember in 1960s, we were always hungry, always hungry. But I remember Khrushchev gave a big speech in 1960 and said that every child in four years will have a hamburger, free hamburger in school. And four years later? And I was dreaming every night going to bed when I'm going to get that free hamburger. One hamburger for four years. <laughs> Nothing came. No oh, hamburger four years later. <laughs> no hamburger. No, not, not from, from his promise. Not from his promise. Yeah. Okay, so you went to school in Moscow. What did you take in Moscow? Uh, engineering. So I, I went to Moscow into engineering, to the engineering school, and I spent five years in Moscow. And... Uh, uh, 
and uh, I had uh, a lot of challenges because I was kind of a, in my mind a little rebellious uh, because all the propaganda that I've seen every time coming to school I've seen all the rights that had been spelled out by the government right to healthcare, right to education, right to housing, right to vacation, right to senior uh, uh, way, uh, sen when you're senior, government will take care of you, all that spelled out. But in reality, it was a meager and miserable life. Huh, amazing. You don't have too many smiles, people walking on the street and, and making smiles. And I think people always picture Moscow as a very dull, gray, Maybe it is dull and gray. I have no idea. But the picture, <laughs> you're not far. Of, you're not far from. That's the your... picture. Everyone's. It's it's an unfortunate, dull, gray, and we're gonna get back into this story. But I did want to focus on a few interesting facts. I know you eventually made it to Israel. Eventually made it to America. We always like. I to, did not go to Israel. I came directly. Oh, you came directly there. Your friend Abraham made it to Israel. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got got everybody's names mixed up. But before we get to America, we're gonna talk something interesting in the news this week. You're talking about uh, poor and growing up and promises and how you lived in little houses. Looking at a more modern country like Israel as a more modern country, they just came out with a census. Did you see how many people live in Israel? Yes, I did. What was the number? I think 8.7 million, close to 9. Oh, so I think it's around 9 million. That's close enough yeah. for me. So they said, do you know why there's so many children? It's a small country. They've... From from 47, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands were there, but, you know, uh, 70 years later to nine, almost nine million is a, an amazing you growth. Know, for me, it was really rewarding. I just came from Israel with my family for three weeks. And as my wife and my daughter, older Jacqueline, walking up and down Rothschild Boulevard or any boulevard, it's so children-friendly. People are sitting on the on these mats and and uh, with babies, and babies' parks are all over. And my grandson actually came ah. from, New from Nigeria with my son-in-law and my daughter. And it's amazing. The, it's amazing. The baby boom is going on. So that's the article explained. The reason for their growth is the amazing growth of children. And every country, by the way, Europe is going through this right now, where, where they, they're living in a triangle. In other words, there's four grandparents and two parents and one child. And that one child, like our social security system, the idea is more children than the parents and more grandchildren than the great-grandparents. There's supposed to be enough people to put money back into the system. But a lot of countries have flipped. They don't want to have children. They would rather enjoy life or they need to save money or they're worried about money. And that is really a lead-in to what I wanted to talk about today. In other words, people... Go ahead and make a conscious decision to say, I cannot afford to have more children. Children, it's too expensive. I know they say, I tell my class all the time, uh, 180000 200000 I'm sure someone will text me the newest number of what it costs to raise a child nowadays from birth to college. But, um, but the idea of saying, therefore, I'm not going to have children is not a Torah thought for two reasons. Reason number one is God is going to take care of all his children. So if you don't have the children, then you need less money. If you're going to have the children, then there will be more money. 
But the reason why I really wanted to talk about this is I think it leads very good into the concept of slander. Slander is really not the best English word. In Hebrew, we say lashon hara, or lashon hara, which is evil speech. There's really three types of evil speech which we're going to talk about. Uh, I can tell the truth about you, but the, what I say to others, even if it's true, is hurtful. It could, be, it could ruin your business, it could ruin your marriage, even if it's truthful. It could hurt you with your friends in the street. That's Lashon Hara. Then there's something called Rechilos, like tailbearing, which is just being nasty, true or not true. Many times it's not true. And there's Motsi Shemra, which is for sure a lie. All different types of slander. I like an American expression says says, if you don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything. See, that would be great, but people have such a hard time not talking. But what I wanted to focus on is why do people want to slander? It's For the most part, you're not such a good fellow. You're not such a good person. It doesn't person. make somebody look good if they slander someone. So why do they want to do it? Because uh, I believe that the man and, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and the Torah probably says that the man is not a perfect by far perfect. The man is imperfect. Of that course. is why the boundaries are set up by morals and standard of Torah. Well, yes. We're, we're trying to create that perfect person. We're not going to be perfect. And we're going to talk about not being perfect. So is there any point, as a side question, is there any point in trying to correct how I speak if at the end of the day I can't be perfect anyways? But that's we're going to leave that one on the side. Here we're just focusing on why am I slandering, why am I talking not nicely, why am I saying lush and horror about Joe? And the reason is, a lot of times it's my self-esteem. Either I'm jealous, I'm not as good as him, I need to knock him down. Why do I need to knock him down? Why do I have to put Joe down? Let Joe be Joe, the rabbi will be the rabbi, Alex will be Alex, Ashley, Tony, Kelsey, everybody will be who they are. Who cares what the other guy is? Who cares? Why is that important to me? So it could be simple jealousy. So why am I jealous? You drive a fancy car, and I drive my little toaster box, that little car you saw outside, my little uh, Scion. The problem is I'm not happy. Well, I am happy. But I'm not happy that I can't have the car you drive. That bothers me. That troubles me. Is that a natural feeling of an yeah. individual? Is I, that some, I think some so. sort of a natural, yeah? I think if is people don't envy, work on is it. Is envy something of a natural feeling? Most people, not all. Do politicians exploit envy? Probably. Okay. Class <laughs> envy. I know, we're going to stay real. It's going to be a real job for me today. <laughs> if I can keep, okay, all of friends, Alex, all of Alex's friends are keeping score. If I keep Alex away from any politics, um, you just send me a quick text or an email to say I'm doing a good job. And if I lose, you can uh, send Alex a text and say you, you snuck it in. Okay, but let's back up. Okay, that's, that's our Alex and our politics. But one second. So the person is jealous. The person is not happy with his lot in life. He's not happy with the cards God dealt him. He's complaining. Well, why isn't the person looking into himself how he could improve his lot? Because... I know you like that also. Sometimes people are where they are in life. They may be stuck. Not always can people get out of the rut they're in. Not always can people make more money. People have health issues. People have money issues. <laughs> I'm not discussing what would 
help somebody all of a sudden become wealthy. Some will be successful, some won't be successful, some are more driven, some are less driven. All that I get. But I'm saying the person who slanders is that person who, who, who really is a complainer. He doesn't like the position God put him in, even though he doesn't say it that way. He's not happy with that position. And therefore, he goes ahead and he just puts everybody else down. That's the best he can do to make him feel good. So, again, that idea I'm trying to, that was my lead-in. With children, again, I think I'm in control. If I realize God's in control, I can have more children because God's going to take care of the children. If I believe God's in control, so then the position God put me in is exactly where I belong. If that's the position I belong in, I'm a happy fellow, I'm not complaining, and then I don't have to worry that God put you in a better position. You have your life, I have my life, we're all happy. No reason to speak poorly, badly, nasty about anybody. And as I'm getting close to my uh, to our break, I wanted to throw in one other quick trending news. This one is fascinating. We could talk about it on the way back if you like. But um, did you know that most Americans, they did a survey, most Americans can't get past 10 o'clock in the morning without cursing. You know that? They got to get a couple curse words Is it in. only Americans? Well, the survey was done in America. Oh, so okay. that we're going to have to figure out. And again, if you'd like to speak to myself about slander, about the Torah portion, talk to Alex. So um, you can get, again, call us, 844-999-9249. Uh, this is Let's Talk Torah with Rabbi Tzvi on New Radio Media. And just hold on. We're going to be right back. Want to stay informed, entertained, and enlightened? Get connected and stay connected today to New Radio Media. The New Radio Media app is now available for download in the Apple and Google Play Store. Just search for NRM Streams for unlimited access to archived, live, new, exciting, and unique content. Welcome to Geektainment Weekly. All for free. Do it now. Stay connected. And action. And millions of ducks. Two guys go to newradiomedia.com. The Arts and Entertainment Channel on New Radio Media. Dot com. What's going on in your neighborhood? They say it takes a village. It's the simple things. The things that are a testament to the old. The things that are a testament to the new. Know what's going on in your community. Check out our community channel on newradiomedia.com. It's all about you, and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking. And how you're feeling. Join the conversation at NewRadioMedia.com's Lifestyles channel. Stream the life you want to live. 
Okay, we're back. It's me, Rabbi Tzvi, and my friend Alex. And again, you can call us at 844-999-9249. And we've been talking almost like the negative side of slander. And I just want to, for a minute, before we get into the who's and the what's and the why's and the where, I want to tell you a fascinating, eye-opening story. And it took me a while myself to understand the story. And I'm, I'll, let me explain to you first what I'm trying to accomplish. The story will go over more clearly that way. If the reason I will slander somebody is because I have no self-esteem and because I'm jealous of people and, I, and I'm upset that I'm in a position I'm in and they're in a better position, what would be about a person that you love, a person you respect, a person you love, a person you care for? Could you ever tell slander... Could you ever slander such a person? Uh, to me, slander is it's in itself is just not really a good thing. Of course, uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't really. Uh, it's kind of a hard to delineate between slandering bad guy and good guy because if you decide not to slander, you don't slander anybody. Period. Okay, listen yeah. to this story. Well, listen to this story. So in high school, I had a very good friend. Hopefully, everybody has good friends when they're in high school. But we were, we were tight. I used to eat by his parents on weekends. He was not the most socially adept. He wasn't like the rah-rah, everybody's friend. But I was very friendly with him. So we're going up to the dormitory. This was in high school. We were in a dorm. We get to the third floor. And when you would turn a left, you came out of the staircase. You made a left down the hallway. And to the back, once you turn left, there's a little alcove where people could sort of hide in when you made that left turn. So another guy who I was friendly with, classmate, had a cup of water, and he threw it at my friend because they were not so friendly, if you can imagine. My friend turns around, and he decks him. I mean, he took a full swing, and he knocked the guy to the floor. I'm standing there, and the guy on the floor, as soon as he gets up, if he gets up, is going to kill my friend. My friend's name is uh, David, by the way. So I say to the guy on the floor, you deserved it, it was wrong, you shouldn't have thrown the water, and I yelled to my friend to run because I didn't want my friend to get beaten up. Three days later, when the guy who got punched comes back with a big bandage, he had stitches over his eye, he comes to me and he says, sweet. He says, I know David is your friend, but how could you yell at me? Like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, I threw a cup of water. I didn't deserve to get punched. Why why'd you yell at me? So then I answered. I said, you're right. I knew if I didn't stop you, you would get up and kill him. I didn't want you to have a fight. I wanted him to run down the hallway. That's what I told this guy. His name was Surly. Israeli. lives in Israel now. Years later, when I thought about the story, I realized that wasn't why I did it. This David was my friend. I can watch my friend knock your lights out, just give you a punch across the face, stitches, and I'm defending my friend. How can I defend him? You did something wrong because that's not our nature. Our nature is if we love somebody, wife, spouse, children, they can do no wrong. I mean, as a teacher, the best people to defend a child is the parent because as far as the parent's concerned, my child can do no wrong. Now, as a teacher, that's not always so helpful, but it's a true fact, and it's the key 
for people who have difficulty with slander, as hard as this is to say, if you could learn to love people, if you can learn to find the good in people and to be friendly with them and to love them, you can't. It's impossible to slander them. Because you fall back on, the, on that love your neighbor. Of course. Everything goes back to love your neighbor. Yeah. Everything goes back. So the that's Ten Commandments. A, I know you always say that's not part of the Ten Commandments, but it's, that is an important command, but it's not one of the Ten. Maybe it's, according to the great sage Hillel, that's like the overriding, if you love your friend, you're not going to do too many things wrong. Because you're going to figure out what your friend wants you to do. You had to encapsulate it in, in very basic Ten Commandments, and uh, you could then branch out with sub-commandment. Fine. I'll, uh, <laughs> I will accept that. So I, I wanted to talk about the last week's Torah portion. The person who speaks slander is punished by God. And the punishment seems pretty harsh. He's going to get what people call leprosy. Very debatable if it's what nowadays we refer to as leprosy or not. It does not exist nowadays. There is no leprosy for slandering. Don't think, don't look over your shoulder. Am I going to get leprosy or something because I spoke ill of my enemy? It doesn't happen nowadays. And you have to have the, the picture. What happens is a person who slander, there's other things he could get this punishment for, but the main one is for slander. He's going to see some type of white mark on his skin, hand, arm, head, anywhere in the body. He's not going to the doctor. Do you know who he goes to? Um, I can't remember. Yeah, he goes to the Kohen. He goes to the priest. Oh, yes. yes. Which okay. is interesting if you think about it. Like, the priest is not a doctor. All he can do is he can look at the, at the uh, color and other signs, raw skin or hairs and stuff. He'll sometimes lock the person up for a week so he's separated from people. And then he'll come back and check again. And then if he feels it's leprosy or what we call in the Torah, tzara'as, he'll say, you are impure. And when he makes the declaration, when the Kohen, the priest, makes a declaration, you are impure, that's when the person officially has this saras, and he has to leave the camp, or he has to leave the city, and he has to be all by himself. The question is, if this is a real illness, so why are we going to a priest? You have an illness, you're sick, you go to the doctor. That's really question number one. And question number two is, so let's say it's not a real disease. So... Again, why are, you, why are you going to the priest? What, what is he going to do for you? He's not, gonna, he's not sprinkling some holy water or giving you some concoction to make you feel better. The Torah doesn't say anything about this. not what happens. What are we trying to accomplish here? What, is the, what does the Torah want from this person? What does the priest want from this person? Any clues? A direction. Uh, Torah gives you direction. To do what? In, in those days, probably doctor was not very easy to acquire. So priest was deciding multitude was a multitasking kind of a guy. Right, so then you would think the Torah would have given over to the priests all the medicines and, uh, and herbs and stuff, and mm -hmm. we don't find that happening. We're just going to lock the person up, send him away, check him out, see how he's doing. So I have my own answer. Not my answer, the Torah's answer. The answer is, first of all, it's debatable if it's just a spiritual disease is it is a physical disease. That's why it's debatable if it's really leprosy. 
is it a is it a spiritual disease that manifests itself? That was a good word. Is it spiritual could be uh, interpreted like stress today? Uh, I don't really understand um, how the spiritual di- disease would uh, would manifest itself in a skin rash, right? Per right. se, you know. So, so, get, so it's interesting. So some say there's no real. Some could say there's really nothing there. But a, a, a priest can see it. A holy person can see it. But we don't have to go in that direction. It's a spiritual malady. It's not contagious. If it's completely physical, then it's contagious. It is debatable. Why are we separating this person? Is he contagious? The likelihood is, again, it's debatable. He may Some say he is contagious. Some say not. But simply stated, he is not contagious. That is not our concern. Our concern is... When a person slanders somebody else, let's say he slanders a husband to the wife, or the wife to the husband. So he created friction. He created a fight. And sometimes he'll create that the husband and wife will separate. Or two friends. He didn't like these two people were friends. So he's going to go ahead and he's, and he's going to slander and sort of slip in so he can be the new friend. And the other guy is out. So the Torah says, you caused friction. You caused people to separate so your punishment is you have to separate from everybody else. So now the job of the priest or the job of the Kohen is to say you did something wrong. First of all, you got to really identify that and uh, uh, not only implicate, but you have to really um, uh, identify for sure that that person slandered. Who is going to? Who was present at the conversation? Right. How it was all done? Uh, Very good, yeah. excellent. So uh, let's pretend for a second. I'm the Kohen. I'm the priest, and a guy comes in because I don't want to say it's you. A guy comes in. I'm looking at him and says, "You know, this looks like leprosy, like tsaras. Um, Are you sure that you didn't slander anybody? No, no, I couldn't have slandered. I said, "Look, it's hard for me to help you unless we can figure out what you did wrong." I tell you what. I'm going to have to lock you up for a week. You have a week to think about it. And after a week, I'm going to come back, and we're going to talk about it again. And hopefully, if you figured out what you did wrong, and here's how you can repent a little bit, um, you know, if it gets a little lighter, we could just send you home. If not, we're going to have to maybe lock you up again. That is the process. The purpose of this process is <laughs> to help the person repent, to help the person who went ahead and slandered, we want you to stop Assuming slandering. Assuming that the person is not going to continue to lie, that he did not slander anybody. Yeah, but if he's going to keep lying, so he's not going to get purified. He's going to, the Kohen, the priest will declare, you are a mitzora, you have tzara'as, you are tame, you are impure. We have to send you out of the camp. So you could lie. But since it's God's the one that's taking care, you're stuck. So assumption here is a cause and effect. So if you do have that white spot, you could have potentially lied. Yeah. As that's kind of a cause and effect relationship. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we're, we're going to have to get more involved in this, and we still didn't find out how you made your way to America. We're going to work on that when you come back. Again, if you'd like to speak to either myself or to Alex, 844-999-9249. You're listening to Let's Talk Torah with Rabbi Tzvi on New Radio Media, and we'll be right back. Want to stay informed, entertained, and enlightened? Get connected and stay connected today to New Radio Media. The New Radio Media app is now available for download in the Apple and Google Play Store. Just search for NRM Streams. 
for unlimited access to archived, live, new, exciting, and unique content. Welcome to Geektainment Weekly, all for free. Do it now. Stay connected. And action. And millions of ducks. Two guys go to newradiomedia.com. The Arts and Entertainment Channel on New Radio Media. Dot com. What's going on in your neighborhood? They say it takes a village. It's the simple things. The things that are a testament to the old. The things that are a testament to the new. Know what's going on in your community. Check out our community channel on newradiomedia.com. It's all about you, and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating what you're thinking and how you're feeling join the conversation at newradiomedia.com's lifestyles channel stream the life you want to live Okay, we're back. Still talking, not talking slander, that would be terrible. But we're discussing how slander works, we're discussing why people do it, we're discussing why people, how they can help themselves not to do it, how to become a better person. There was a very famous rabbi who lived in the early 1900s in Poland. And his name was the Chafetz, well, his real name was Yisrael Meir Kagan. But he's famous for a book he wrote. The book he wrote was called Chafetz Chaim, which literally means a person who seeks life. He, people don't even refer to him by his name. They refer to him by his book. Now, he wrote many books, but this was a book he wrote about slander, how a person should speak, what a person could say, what a person can listen to. We didn't even discuss this yet, that it's not just that I can't speak it, you can't even listen to me talk about it. It was very famous Slander is also gossip. Gossip, same I, thing. I got to tell you, I grew up in a little town, Shtetl Zhutomir, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of people who conducted gossip. Same thing, and slander, they call gossip. Them, they call them in Yiddish. You know how they call them in Yiddish? No, but tell me. Yachnas. A yachnas, yeah, yachna. So women who were sitting and doing nothing are sitting on a bench, and they were slandering and making gossips, and they were called yachnas. You know, it's so funny you <laughs> use that word because you met Basi, my wife. Oh, yes, of course. So that's a word sometimes she uses to describe certain type of people. My kids it's never heard It's a Yiddish term. Yeah, she speaks Yiddish. Her mm-hmm. grandmother spoke Yiddish. So yachna was that word. That's a great word, yachna. It's a great word. If applicable. Very applicable, yeah. So a man one time went to this famous Chavetz Chaim, who was, again, teaching the world about slander and how terrible it is and, and how we need to 
to get it out of our system and become better people. So they went to him. Actually, this is such a famous story. It's on one of my blogs. And if you go to the website and you go to blogs, somewhere there's some of the pillows and feathers. That's this story for those who ever go to that part of the uh, channel for New Radio Media. But in any case, the story goes like this. A man comes to the Chavetz Chaim and he says, Rabbi, I've slandered and I, I want to repent. I want to help me, help me correct it. So the Chavetz Chaim says, no problem. Take a feather pillow. Go to the town square, cut open the feather pillow, shake it all over the place, and then come back to me. Okay, so the guy figures some hocus pocus. Okay, I don't know. It's a funny kind of repentance. Okay, he takes the feather pillow, rips it open in the town square, shakes it all over the place, watches everything, all these little feathers float in the wind, and he makes his way back to the home of the Chavetz Chaim. And he says to the Chavetz Chaim, he said, okay, I did what you asked me. I, um, I, I shook out the whole pillow with all the feathers. Now what should I do? So the Chavetz Chaim says, now... Go pick up those feathers. Very good. Now we get all the, now get all the feathers. Very good. And uh, you can't get the feathers. You can't get them. When a person gossips, slanders, once it leaves your mouth, it's over. You can't take it back anymore. And nowadays, it's so much more dangerous. Nowadays, we have our phones, we have internet. At the push of a button, you could destroy people's lives. And you can't take it back. You could sell, slander the entire uh, contact list. And you-, <laughs> you, could, you could do anything to anyone. Yeah. But I thought this would be a good lead-in talking about feathers that are just floating away and moving along. You started telling us about your life. And we're up to the next part of Alex's bio, that Alex, who I guess is not satisfied with his bag of potatoes, because he didn't get potato kugel, and he's in <laughs> Moscow, and he says, I'm out of here, I want to go to, I thought it was Israel, and I, I was corrected, and I'm going to move to America. W- what's the story? How did that happen? Well, very good question, Rabbi. So I lived in this drabby, very drabby, very gray uh, uh USSR country. And I lived in Moscow, but Moscow was advanced society by all measure in USSR. And uh, and uh, uh, all the promises of the Constitution that I will get everything in my life by the government were seemingly not working, not materializing for anybody. I didn't have any exposure whatsoever to how life is outside of the Iron Curtain. We did not know. Every sporting event that you had, let's say hockey, you could only see the hockey field where Americans are playing or Canadians, uh, uh, NHL is playing against Russians, but you can't see people sitting in the stadium. Really? We were always told that you have riots in America, that you have soup kitchen, you have fires, and you have the racist country in the world and everything, that's all I knew. In 1976, upon graduation of college, all of a sudden, America was allowed on bicentennial revolution, bicentennial constitution, to put a, to put a pavilion, American pavilion in Moscow. I stayed for eight hours in rain to get into that pavilion to get in, in line. In line, and all of a sudden, I come into this pavilion. And I see incredible pictures of smiling, happy people, campers, buildings, 
it couldn't be so bad <laughs> by everything that I knew. And very cleverly, at the end, everybody who visited this exhibit was given Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. In Russian? Parchment. Parchment. In English. A parchment paper. Yeah, but you don't read English. I took English. Ah. But I didn't really to the extent. I spent days translating the, Constitu the Declaration of Independence. And I read it. And I was sitting, and I was reading, and I said that, and I read and read and thought, and says that all men are created equal by their creators, and they're given only life, liberty, and the rights are only spelled out by life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And, though, and those rights were given in the laws of nature, and nature's God. And I thought to myself, wow, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. No guaranteed happiness. The government guarantees you happiness. It means that they have to take away from somebody else happiness and give to you more. I said, I thought and I thought, and I said to myself, I'm an American. Well, you weren't yet, but Not okay. Yet, but in my spirit that I had, I'm an American. Because that claim by the founders was laid in the name of all humanity. I all of a sudden figured it out. In the name of all humanity, doesn't matter who you are, African, Pole, Russian, Ukrainian, that claim that all men are created equal and they're given life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness and no other rights in the name of nature and nature's God said, I'll do everything to get the hell out of here. <laughs> so with that, I... So I was, you must have applied for visas? I applied. And I you lost a, your job? Lost my job, twice arrested, <laughs> and eventually I made to America. So that's what they used to call the refuseniks, right? Correct. Because you had to, you know, to go ahead and be willing to leave a country in those days, in 76. There's to, no willing. That... Those three things, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, created in me the man, American. And I would do everything. I was laying, when I was refusing in bed and thinking, if they, in the middle of winter, they're going to tell me, you're, you're allowed to go. I'll go naked across miles in cold to come to America, voting with my own feet. <laughs> Amazing. Unbelievable. And I came to America to Detroit with 26 cents in my pocket. And you, it's not like you became an account, uh, not accountant, a, uh, an engineer right away. And you... I was working my first job, $1.46 an hour, mopping floors, <sighs> right away. Right away. And now I'm sitting with you. And now we're with sitting. With an iPhone. With an iPhone, and now you're free, and your children are free, and you can study what you wish. Um, I'm going to back you up on one just for a little bit. Please. You call God nature. What does that mean? The founders, the founders are, the founders are, and I actually, I brought uh, the Constitute Declaration of I see, here. I see, I see. I can't read they such said, well We hold these truths self-evident that all men are created equal. And they said that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. So I call God is they created this in the laws of nature and nature's God. 
So the nature's God is man included. Okay, uh, I, I, I'm uh, going to be honest with you on this one. I'm not, I, I'm a little bit uh, foggy on this one. Please. In other words, there's God created the world, God put me here, and God gave me abilities to do what whatever I could do, however I can serve him. It's not like there's mother nature is not God. Well, the, of course, the mother nature is created by God. Everything is created by God. Oh, I just wanted to, okay, I had to. Yeah, are we, we clear on that? I think we're more clear. I just wanted <laughs> to make sure. We no, no, are we clear? We are very clear. Uh, because if you go to uh, today's notion is, you know, we could get down a scientific path. Right, we're not looking to go but scientific. Eventually, eventually could come to the Big Bang. And that's the Mercury. But what was before the Big Bang? Right, right. From, that's nothing, from nothing, right. nothing God so created. Nothing. Right. Yeah. So long as we, as so long as we got that, that's we right. are part of the nature, and God created us all. Beautiful, excellent. So I wanted to get back. So you came to America. You got a house. You know, it's fascinating. There's three places that this terrace or leprosy could be. It could be on a person's house in Israel. By the way, only in Israel. It could be on a person's clothing. Or it could be on the person himself. Now, interesting enough, it starts with the house. It's like God's throwing like a, a warning shot, putting something on your house, something's wrong, you want to fix it, you want to correct it, you don't learn your lesson, we're going to put it on the clothes, you still don't want to learn your lesson, we're going we're gonna to send it on the person's body himself, and then you could be not excommunicated, you're just out forever, there's nothing you could do. So um, the house, though, happens to be fascinating. And I'm going to try to start it, I don't know if I'm going to finish it, but there's actually a, a totally separate reason why there would be this leprosy on a house. First of all, it had to be in Israel. It had the house, all kinds of rules, regulations, stone and, and wood and dirt and in the corner. And, um, and what happens like this. The, the priest, the Kohen, is going to come to the house and he's going to look. He's going to see this growth on the wall and he's going to put a rope around the house. Like, you know, caution line, no one's going in. And anything in the house becomes impure. In those days, you wanted to eat a sacrifice or the tithes that were given to the priest. A lot of things were done. People had to be what's called pure. If they had this thing, a status called tame, it ruined their, their stuff. You couldn't eat everything. You couldn't go everywhere. You couldn't meet everyone. You couldn't go to the temple. So people were very careful with what we call tuma and tahara, purity and impurity. So the Kohen would tell the person that um, I'm coming to your house, I'm going to be there, and um, you just clean out your house before I get there. It actually reminds me of some trending news that they're talking about coffee. I love when they talk about coffee in the news. That's your favorite drink. I coffee. know. <laughs> coffee is my drink. drink. <laughs> it, it helps your brain. It helps you think. Mine is tea. Green it, tea. Oh, but coffee. They say the caffeine in coffee is better, and, and it makes it better for my heart. And, and some people say it's not really better than anything. You're used to the drug. You have withdrawal symptoms, so you gotta you got to sort of move it along. But um, we're going to have to get back hopefully with our few minutes left in our next segment to talk about other reasons why a house would get leprosy. So we're going to discuss that. But uh, right now you're listening to Let's Talk Torah with Rabbi Tzvi on New Radio Media. And we'll be right back. What's going on in your neighborhood? They say it takes a village. 
the things. The things that are a testament to the old. And the things that are a testament to the new. Know what's going on in your community. Check out our community channel on newradiomedia.com. And action. And millions of ducks. Two guys go to newradiomedia.com. The Arts and Entertainment Channel on New Radio Media. Dot. It's all about you, and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking. And how you're feeling. Join the conversation at NewRadioMedia.com's Lifestyles channel. Stream the life you want to live. At Murray's Park City, we're known for offering customer service you won't get in any chain store or online. But don't take it from me, just listen to what our customers have to say. The employees at Murray's are knowledgeable, courteous. They make you feel like you're at home. Pick up a can of Seafoam Fuel System Treatment for only $6.99 or a 5-quart container of Mobile One Motor Oil for just $28.95. Murray's Park City and Pontiac Trail at Maple Road in Walled Lake. We've got the parts you need when you need them. At Murray's Park City, we're known for off. Okay, we're back and talking about coffee and what coffee has to do with anything. Green tea. Green tea. Goyakora. Goyakora. Yeah, yeah. You know, you owe me. You're going to bring me <laughs> Ooh, yeah, one of those tea bags. I, I got to check this out. I forgot. Okay, next time. Next time. Um, or I'll just text you and you'll remember. Please. But uh, in any case, so we're talking about coffee because it always reminds me um, when the priest, when the Kohen is going to check out the house to see if it has this leprosy, this tsaras, he takes his time. And the reason he takes his time is because we want the owner to get everything out of the house. So nothing will get this impurity on it when the house is declared um, leprosy or tsaras or whatever, however the Kohen will declare it. So a very interesting purpose. You may have met people like this. There are people in the world that if you ask to borrow something from them, they always say, oh, I wish I could help you. I don't have. Could I have a cup of sugar? I have no sugar. Can I borrow a frying pan? I don't have a frying pan. Can I borrow a basketball? I don't have a basketball. So now that the guy's house is all emptied out, so imagine what happens to the guy, the neighbor who wanted to borrow, I don't know, a cup of sugar, and there's this whole humongous container of sugar. I, I thought you told me you have no sugar. Or another kind of person I hope you never ran into, they borrow stuff never and, you, and they never return it. And you're not going to do it. Remember the hammer you borrowed? What are yeah. you talking about? I didn't borrow a hammer from you. That never happened. And now they empty out the house. And lo and behold, that's my hammer. That's my football. That's my baseball glove. That's my lawnmower. So there's other purposes that are accomplished. Now, it happens to be on a side point which I don't have too much time to go into, one of the reasons these specific houses got Saras 
is because before the Jewish people entered the land of Israel, the land of Canaan, so the nations there knew they were being attacked. So they wanted to hide their valuables. They had very thick walls, thick stone walls. So they hollowed out walls and stuck, you know, gold and silver somewhere and closed up the wall. So when the Jewish people entered the land of Israel, they don't know there's gold and silver and stuff hidden. So God would put leprosy on the house. The Kohen will come. They're going to have to take the, some of the stones out. You take the stones out, and voila, jewelry, diamonds. So you had to suffer a little bit to get that gold and silver, but it was one of the accomplishments of, of that saras. But again, it, was, it started in the house. We'd go to clothing, and then we'd go to a person. Continuing in our weekly theme, so hopefully Tony can put it up. Uh, I got my poster of the week. We're up to there. I got my thumb. Um, every week, as you know, we do a letter of the week. This week is the letter Samach. A Samach looks like a circle. A very, very simple letter. It, it sounds like circle. It has the S sound. Its numerical value is 60. Now let me tell you something fascinating about this letter. In the two, when, when Moses, when Moshe comes down with the tablets... So it says the tablets were written, the luchos were written by, with the finger of God. So the Talmud explains that the, the letter was carved all the way through. The, carving, was, the letter wasn't just written scratched Summit, in. Summit was carved through? And it was every single letter. The aleph, uh-huh. it was like an aleph that you could see from one end to the other end straight through the letter. You could see the bays straight through the letter. Every letter was carved from end to end. So you basically, if I was standing on one side... Through the stone. You through the see stone. Straight, stay, so you can see straight through the stone. I did not know that. Wow. Right. So now think about this Samach letter, which is a circle. There's uh, a problem. How are you, you going to support it? Is because it's going to be a hole. Yeah, see? Even an engineer so can that figure little, that out. that little thing they made, yeah? No little thing. No, no little thing. It's a complete circle. You uh-huh. can't make a little thing. Can't make a little thing. Yeah, yeah. Straight, straight through. So the rabbis tell us the only answer is it was miraculous. There's two letters in the, in the tablets, and the Samach is the more famous one, that because you need a, a dot in the middle of the circle and it has to be floating, so that letter stood miraculously. Now, my word of the week, every week we like a word. My word of the week I think is appropriate for our show. It's Sefer. Do you know what a Sefer is? Holy? Is it holy? Sefer Torah. What Sefer is... Torah, but yeah. it doesn't mean holy, but very good. Sefer Torah, very good. A Sefer is a book. It could uh-huh. be a scroll. It could be, it's written information. It could be the written Torah. It could be written Talmud. It could be written stories. It could be anything. So I told you earlier on, the Chafetz Chaim, who wrote his famous book um, about slander, right? So very interesting about that book. It was the first of its kind. There's always been rabbis writing commentaries on commentaries on commentaries and explanations. But this was a first that somebody wrote a book on the laws of slander. So you need an approbation. In those days, even nowadays, you can't just print a book. Who are you? We don't know who you are. Do we trust you? What are we supposed to do over here? So you have to go to great rabbis and say, please look at my book and write me a letter to say, I'm a good person. It's a good book. So he went to different rabbis to give him a letter that it's a good book and he's a good person. So one rabbi said, you know, this book is so unusual, a whole book about the laws of slander. What if the guy writing the book gossips all day long? So what's the value of his book on slander? He writes a book about how you're supposed to talk and he gossips all day long. 
So, so in other words, how, how we have today politicians talk one thing, do another thing. Right, yeah? right. You talk one thing, do another thing. Very good. So, so he actually tested him. He sent, this rabbi sent a student to the Chavetz Chaim trying to get him to gossip, to listen to gossip. He tried all kinds of things. He couldn't budge him. So after he couldn't budge him, he explained, he asked, he, he apologized. He said, look, my rabbi said I had to do this because he can't sign a letter if you're not real. And it's all about being real. And that's one of the things here we try very much. We want to be, we want to be real. And uh, and therefore this and trustworthy, and real trustworthy. And trustworthy, real and 100%. trustworthy. See, so we we go ahead and uh, we've talked about slander, and uh, we've talked about the leprosy and the tzaras. We've talked about the great Chavetz Chaim who wrote his book all about leprosy and tzaras, um, and we've talked about the word sefer, which means book. And we said a story that hopefully will help us all remember this special letter, Samoch, and what we've talked about this week. And we're getting close to my end. And I greatly appreciate, Alex, you coming in. And we talked about life, liberty, and pursuit of and happiness. Of course, we talked about life, no liberty. Other, and no other. In the name of all humanity. Yes, yes, yes. 250 years ago and still stands. And still standing strong. Still, not only strong, but real. Real. And pertinent. Yes. And um, just a quick, you know, two weeks ago, we talked about APEC, by the way. There's an APEC event. If you're by the event tonight, I'm sure you can recognize me. I look like me. Nobody else there looks like me. But anyways. I would, for sure. (laughs) You would recognize. Anyways, as we're wrapping up, thank you to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. I couldn't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team this week. We have Tony, Ashley, and Kelsey. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next week. I am Rabbi C. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on the radio media. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.